Well, hello. Welcome to Theologizing Life with Anthony Cottrell and the one and only. Very tired, Matt Tracy. Very tired, Matt Tracy. Matt Tracy, why are you very tired? What could possibly be going on in your life that would make you very tired? I think you have some updates for us. Yeah, Tell well, us if about you've it, Matt. been listening for a while, you'll know that we've uh, had, my wife and I have been, uh, we were expecting a baby and he came uh, last week, last Thursday. So he, it was actually about three weeks early. So very unexpected. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, but he's here. Uh, everything's great. It was a very pretty, I mean, as far as labor goes, pretty event, uh, non-eventful, you know, minimal pain. Healthy Which is baby. actually very good. That's very yeah. good. A very good thing. Yeah. Healthy baby. Uh, he's great. He's very chill. Um, he only cries when he's hungry, which is nice. <laughs> so, I mean, he's hungry a lot. And so that's why I'm <laughs> so he cries a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're up every two hours at night to feed him, but it's all right. Uh, he's, you know, it's just kind of part of the territory, but yeah, we're really, really grateful. Um, his name is Zachariah. Uh, and that name actually has quite a bit of meaning for us because it means the Lord remembers it's Hebrew, uh, for the Lord remembers. And he was actually, we named him that because, uh, you know, I'm the theology geek, but my wife actually picked the name, which is kind of funny. Um, we named him that because uh, we had a miscarriage uh, a year ago, basically to the day that, that he was born. And so the name is kind of a, a celebration of, you know, God remembering our grief and redeeming it with a new life. So, um you know, not to, not to forget the life that we lost, but, you know, Zechariah is just kind of a, a celebration of the, the faithfulness that we've seen in our lives. So mm. that's the update. Um, Congratulations, yeah, really, by the way. Yeah, thank you. I'm enjoying being a boy dad. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll have its ups and downs, but, you know, what, one of the downs is uh, the peeing. They, they pee very far. Yeah, so. <laughs> he got some range man he, he does and i was not expecting that you know with like with april you know girls they just kind of like they they flood and then boys are like mm-hmm. a sprinkler so that's mm-hmm. interesting so um, one of the things i don't know if you do this but one of the the tips is like use the the diaper flap and just sort of like, like never just leave it uh <laughs> fully wide open while you're grabbing the um the wipes or the cream or anything else or they will, just go into yeah like they, keep that they, thing they find the the tiniest window and yeah yeah sorry to sorry to uh shift from the the meaningful theological uh you know meaning behind his name into baby p but you know that's just where my mind's at so it's life <laughs> you know and that's theologizing life right exactly. theology integrated into the real life stuff of uh how to uh, how to tactically change a baby's diaper. Exactly. Um, you know, they have these things called PPTPs. <laughs> and I, I try. it's exactly what it sounds like. I won't go into it, but uh, that sounds like a good purchase. Kind of idea. It does. It does. <laughs> the things they have for kids these days, I called it um, with Titus and Evelyn. I think we got one for you. I called it the butt spatula. Yep. We still have the butt spatula. <laughs> It's like, that's what it looks like. It's like this little rubber 
spatula and you can use it for applying cream because I'm gonna be honest, I love my little children, but I didn't really want to use my own fingers and hands to apply the butt cream. And so we got a, uh, a butt spatula. That's why, that's why I called it. (laughs) Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. My other other favorite thing is the the nasal aspirator and the one they give you in the hospital is clear. And, you know, it's basically like a little bulb that you, like, put in their nose to, like, snuck out, snuck, uh, mm-hmm, suck out mm-hmm. the boogers. And uh, I don't I don't need to see it. Like, I don't know why it's clear. Like, that's, that's just, gross. It just doesn't need to be a thing that I see. It's, if it's if it's out of their nose, that's all I need to know. I don't even know what it looks like. You want to know something really gross? Yeah. Uh, so we got one that is connected to a tube that's connected to a filter. Oh, I know where you're uh, going. <laughs> where you can suck it out. Uh, oh. In yeah. the filter and all the, the 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 little parts are supposed to filter out to where you know you're not actually sucking anything any in anything disgusting. It's still just the thought the, of that. Uh, the idea of it is kind of disgusting. Yeah. But do you actually, have you did you actually use it? With your kids? I did. I did. With Titus, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's way more effective than the little bulb, but I would yeah. not be interested in doing that. That's yeah, it's gross. Um, so like you've had a lot of transition. Just to recap, you've moved to Illinois, uh, which that was a world a whirlwind of selling your house and buying a house and all that stuff and, and everything that goes into moving. You've moved to Illinois because you're gonna be starting a doctoral program, uh, your PhD. Registration uh, is this week. So is next week? This week. This week? Oh man. So it's getting real. I think it's, I think it's tomorrow or Thursday. Man, that's you so, should probably figure that out. But yeah. well I already have figured it out. I already made a plan. Just waiting yeah. for the registration to open up. So that's fun. And then you did all this while your <clears throat> was like eight eight-ish months pre- pregnant, and then you had mm-hmm. a baby. Uh, and it's a lot of, that's a lot of life transition. Yep. How are you, how are you doing? Again, tired, but <laughs> we're, we're good. Um, we're, we're hanging in there, and it's not been as stressful as I thought it was going to be. Um, we live in a, a newish neighborhood, so... We have some, we had a, a, our pool actually just opened up, our neighborhood pool just opened up uh, this weekend. So we took the kids there, some really pretty like walking trails around here that we've been, we've just been getting active as much as possible and getting the kids out of the house. Uh, April's at a point where she is skipping her naps. So uh, that's an adventure (laughs) Mm -hmm. and an inconveniently timed adventure. But so it's been like, it's just been like a, a matter of getting them as tired as humanly possible mm-hmm. uh, so that they go to bed. <laughs> but, and the, the process has been fun because we've just been Dude. doing a lot of activities as a family. So Titus decided he was done with naps. I can't remember. So he was more clockwork. Evelyn has been a pain about sleeping since she came out of the womb. But Titus had a morning and afternoon nap and then would go to bed and the kid would sleep hard and he was very uh there was a a schedule very scheduled then he went down to just one i think either morning or afternoon nap i can't remember now it's crazy 
it wasn't that long ago, but it feels like it was. But then sometime during the whole COVID quarantine thing, when it's like, we just needed them, like we just needed a little bit of sanity. Mm -hmm. I was like, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm too big for this. I'm done. <laughs> We're like, no, we don't want you to be done. It was brutal, man. During COVID, we also decided Titus was like three and it was still like sucking on a pacifier. And, uh, we, <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> we killed the pacifier habit. Uh, and the way we did it was we hid all of them, except he had this one favorite pacifier. We cut the, we cut it off like a little bit of the, the part that they suck on. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, um, but he would still try with what little bit of was left. He would try to like, hold on to it in his mouth. Uh, he was that desperate, but eventually. There's a sermon illustration in there somewhere. Yeah, trying. I don't know, trying to hold on <laughs> to a little bit of sin or something, um, or or uh, coping yeah. mechanisms. Keep that one. Eventually, in mind. give me give me credit for it. Give me credit. All right. <laughs> so um, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about some direction we're going uh, because um, we want to continue doing theolo theologizing life, but we want to mix it up a bit. But before we do. Uh, this episode will uh, go live in June, which is the month of Father's Day, and you are a new father again. Yep. So I thought yep. it could be fun to talk a little bit about, now we, we're not real scripted here, we're just going to kind of like shoot the breeze about like some some philosophy of, of fatherhood and uh, perhaps how our faith, how our theology, how following Jesus sort of shapes our approach to being a dad. And so Matt, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts or like, what are some guiding principles or ways that like being a Jesus follower, like influences how you parent, uh, differently than if maybe you weren't a Jesus follower. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I don't even know if it's different than from me not being a Jesus follower. It's just like, I mean, it is, but I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of parents who aren't, you know, committed Jesus followers that have the same kind of idea. But like, I just, one of the things that I try to do, and I don't do it well, um, all the time, but I try to allow my kids to kind of not check me on my parenting, but like, I, I, I try to be as consistent as possible with the way I talk to them and the way that they feel like they can talk to me. Um, I think it comes down to just, you know, grace, like there, there'll be times where I'm frustrated with April and she's three. And she, so she, she understands a lot. And sometimes I hurt her feelings. <clears throat> and uh, sometimes like, you know, she sasses me as well. And I'll just say, Hey, don't, don't talk to me like that. <laughs> and sometimes when I'm frustrating April, if I'm treating her, you know, not so nicely, if I'm getting short with her, she'll just say, daddy, don't talk to me like that. And, you know, I, I say, you know, fair enough. I'm sorry. And I think that's something that, um, a lot of people our age didn't get from our parents, you know, like just a, an apology, like a, you know, Hey, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. I, and to talk to you that way and that's just something again I don't do it well it's I'm sure you know every generation of parents has their flaws uh, but uh, 
this that's something I really tried to be intentional about in my relationship with April and eventually Zeke when he's old enough to to talk and converse with me. Just this idea of you know you're a person, you're not my slave. Uh, you have feelings and a will, and I just want to acknowledge that as much as I can um, and be be gracious and apologize when I mess up because I will. So. Um, you know, I don't know if there's like a theological reason behind that, but, you know, I, I guess it's just acknowledging that I'm not a perfect father. <laughs> God is mm-hmm. uh, just having, you know, reminding them that, you know, I, I, I make mistakes too. I'm, I'm a sinful person too. So that's yeah. kind of the, the one that came to mind immediately when you asked the question, but what are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of convictions I have that are sort of theology theologically informed but there's not like a a specific chapter and verse that i can like necessarily apply to it it's more of like a i don't know maybe a worldview um similar to you i think one of the things you said there was the um a lot of people didn't get apologies from their parents i think i had the perspective that authority figures by nature of the position are right. And I equated that with also like righteous or like they, they, yeah, they have the power and that means whatever, you know, basically might makes right. And uh, somewhere along the way I realized, and part of it was seeing people who had the power abuse it or uh, do things that, compromise integrity and I realized like um and just knowing myself like just because I'm a parent uh it doesn't mean how I respond or react is in line with the heart of Christ and reflects the fruit of the spirit um just because my kids are disobedient or sometimes disrespectful it doesn't give me a right to use my authority and my power in ways that doesn't reflect the fruit of the spirit like yes they may be wrong um, but their being wrong doesn't automatically make me right. And so one of the things I approach, one of the pro- approaches to parenting I have is just realizing, I guess, that I'm a sinner too, still in process. And so like, uh, um, I, I, I shouldn't respond or react or discipline my kids uh, Um and not reflect on it or (laughs) assess it or evaluate it. Like I should want for how I discipline my kids and respond to them to be consistent with the fruit of the spirit. So I guess what what I mean by that, or what I'm saying is like part of the way I parent, I try to bring in a practice of reflection and repentance. Um, and sometimes that means actually asking my kids to forgive me, which mm-hmm. is very humbling. <clears throat> um, it's very humbling, but I think it's really cool too. And so yeah. that whole asking for forgiveness and extending forgiveness, that's something we also talk about a lot in our, in our family. So like people, you know, Titus has some pretty sensitive feelings. And so sometimes we'll talk and one of the things, you know, it's other people's kids and they're not my kids to discipline. And maybe they said something mean and that's not right. Um, 
So sometimes what I'll, but I, I don't feel I can do much about that. Uh, especially he's in school now. So sometimes I'll say, okay, buddy, that wasn't very nice. Maybe they didn't mean it or maybe they're frustrated or maybe they were just kidding and you took it too seriously, but like, can you forgive them? And we try to have that sort of language, like, okay, well, we need to forgive them. You know, can you forgive your sister? Can you forgive your brother? That's another big um, guiding principle, I think, in our approach to parenting. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important, like, because kids can, they're smart. <laughs> they can pick up, they, they understand the double standard, you know, like when you're not treating them the way that you expect them to treat you. Yeah, you know, in some in in some ways, like yeah, you're a parent with authority, and you have a right to have expectations of them that they shouldn't have of you. Obviously, like I can touch the oven, you can't, <laughs> and that's just yeah. that's just the yeah. rules. But in other yeah, ways, yeah. like you know, I can, you know, I don't have a right to to be, you know, short with you, mean to you when you don't deserve it. Just like you don't have a right to do that with me. You know, we have, we're like on the same level on that way. Just because I'm, just because I'm dad doesn't mean I can be a jerk and not and get away with it. Um, so I just, I, I just don't want them to have this impression that like, just because I'm dad, I can treat them however I want to treat them. And um, yeah, you know, that's, that's not how God treats us. Right. Like he's, no. he has authority to do, uh, you know, whatever he wants. And he chooses to approach us with grace and love and kindness. So as a dad, I want to do the same thing. <clears throat> yeah. And again, I agree. Being flawed. I don't do that well all the time. <laughs> uh, no, I don't either. I lose my, I lose my patience and I um, raise my voice and I say things that I shouldn't. And so I haven't nailed the, like, I haven't, you know, I don't always parent from the place of like, bearing the fruit of the spirit mm-hmm. but like i said i think one of the ways I, i'm hopefully allowing god to redeem that is by sometimes literally and i'll do this too i think this this is so si- simple but i think it's important um like sort of this psychological tactic like sometimes i'll, I'll get down i'll get down on my knee to where i am looking not looking down at my kids uh, but looking as much as i can you know on their level and ask for their forgiveness mm-hmm. or say, I'm sorry. Um, and sometimes I'll do that, even if I'm not asking for forgiveness, like if I'm trying to talk to them about something serious, like, or I am disciplining them via lecture, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I sometimes get down uh, on their level and not just talk down to them. And yeah. I think that's, I think that's, um, that's a little thing. It's a very simple thing, but like, I think, you know, my, my theology of the incarnation of God taking on human flesh and entering into our world and coming down to our level, like sort of influences how I, how I try to parent. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I hope that my asking for forgiveness redeems those times where I'm not reflecting through the spirit. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a, um, a kind of, have to be open to my wife. It's kind of a partnership as well, like in this kind of thing, holding each other accountable. I have to be open to mm-hmm. my wife. Like, hey, you should go apologize to April because you didn't, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't handle that situation well. And I'll be like, dang it, you're right. <laughs> it's sometimes mm-hmm. it's kind of hard. Like, I don't feel sorry because she made me mad. And yeah, um, 
it's just like that constant, like being aware of, you know, yeah, you're my kid, but you're also a person. And I just, yeah, the, I just want to acknowledge the fact that they have feelings. Like, I, I just don't like the whole approach, like, you know, I'm your dad, I'm not your friend, the kind of thing. Like, in some ways, yeah, I'm your dad. And in some ways, I can't be, I can't, you know, have the same relationship with you as your friend does. But, like, at the same time, like, yes, I am your friend. I, I want you to be happy. I want you to feel respected and loved when you're around me. Um, yeah. I agree with I This agree is a conflicting I'm just thinking all the ways like even this weekend like I screwed up I'm just like man <laughs> I know right yeah, I'm gonna have to go go repent after this Absolutely. <laughs> give my daughter a hug <laughs> I, I like that you said that like the parent friend thing because some people real I think oscillate between both extremes and they go so far to the friend side that there's no authority aspect or no like example or mentor they go to like friend as peer um, mm-hmm. which means I just affirm everything you do or the like, no, I'm your parent, and there is no friendship there. There's no like um, vulnerability or, yeah. uh, uh, com- like even companionship <clears throat> or whatever. And I think there's like Jesus used the metaphor of God as Father, and he also told the disciples, I don't remember where in the Gospels, but um, that I've called you friends. So mm-hmm. the disciples can understand God as Father. At the same time, they saw Jesus, and Jesus called them friends. So I think there's like, it's not an either or, but it can be a both and. Yeah. Um, with that, I, I realize as we're talking, like one of the other sort of key, I guess, principles of the way my faith influences how I parent is sort of my understanding of discipleship. So there's the, the we call them the learning steps. Um, and they're great for any sort of leadership development, but I also learned them uh, in the context of discipleship Uh I do, you watch, we do together, uh, you do, I watch, and then off, send you off to do on your own and develop someone else. And so essentially the idea is like, there's a part of like example and doing things together and then releasing them to do things on their own and, and all of that. So, so sometimes uh, my parenting and how my theology and faith influences it. So I realize that I'm an example. So we try to set an example of being hospitable, of being generous, of being kind, of forgiving one another, um, of apologizing. Like that's all that uh, piece of like, I'm doing something, I'm trying to follow Jesus and you're watching. Mm-hmm. Then there's things we do together. So um, we there's been times where like me and Titus both got kind of nasty to each other and he knew he lost his temper and I responded very angrily and I thought, Hey, do you want to, like, there's a couple of times, not all the time, but a handful of occasions, like, Hey, do you want to pray and ask God to forgive us? And, and we did it together. Or we um, show hospitality to neighbors together. Or we like, you know, again, these aren't things we do all the time. We're not saints, but like we make cookies for our neighbors or something. And we, the kids go with us to give them. Um, and more and more as they get older, like I want to bring Titus and Evelyn, like if there's a, someone to visit and it's, not dangerous to their health to come and visit like and be a blessing to someone like they can come along with me. So there's the, I do things as an example, I try to do things together and then I send them to do things themselves too. And so like we let, uh, we ask them if they want to pray before the meal and we let them uh, pray and 
mm-hmm. super cute, but like trying to encourage them to do things um, on their own too. And so all of that is uh, like this, 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 I guess, paradigm of like discipling my kids is a mm-hmm. significant uh, lens through which I see my role as parent. Yeah, definitely. Those learning steps too, like they're not explicitly in the Bible, but that's the model that Jesus kind of followed too. Mm-hmm. Like you see him, like, you know, at the beginning, the disciples followed him and watched him. And then at some point, like he was like, all right, I'm not going to go with you. Like you go and do all the things that I taught you to do mm-hmm. and then come back to me and we'll talk about it. <laughs> and then, yeah. uh, and then he, it was all in preparation for him, you know, resurrecting, uh, ascending into heaven. And I'm doing this all on their own, you know, without him. Yep. yep. Uh, so yep. it's yeah, it's an intimidating, uh, intimidating thing to think about, like discipling kids. But like, I don't know. I I told this to my students in my class, and it just came out one day because I was feeling particularly passionate about it. Like, we put a lot of emphasis on like go and make disciples, like go to other countries or you know go mm-hmm. across the world. And sometimes we don't think about like, oh yeah, my first responsibility is to make a disciple of my child. You know, if if April grows up mm-hmm. to be a lifelong follower of jesus like i will have fulfilled the great commission you know yep Um, so it's that's my first responsibility and obviously that's the responsibility that's what i want you know it's not even selfishly it's just like yeah i want my kid to follow jesus uh first Mm -hmm. um so yeah there's another (laughs) this is kind of a funny story but there's just like these little april's i mean she's three so she doesn't have like a uh, fully developed idea of like who Jesus is, obviously. Um, but the other day, uh, she just has these like little moments where we're like, "Well, she'll talk to us. She'll be like, Daddy, I'm I'm afraid like of a new situation. Like we were going to a new church, trying out new churches in the area, and because um, we just moved here, and she'll she'll tell me like, Daddy, I'm nervous because I don't know anybody there, and then she'll be like." Oh, but it's okay because Jesus will keep me safe. <clears throat> so, like those little things, like she knows, like yeah, that obviously not fully developed understanding of what that means, but just like she knows that, like yeah, Jesus isn't someone I can see, <laughs> but he's there and he keeps me safe. And yeah, just last week, this is kind of a funny story. Like she she woke up, she's like, I had a dream. And I was like, what did you dream about? She goes, I dreamed about Jesus. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. What did you dream about? Like, what were you doing? She's like, I was playing hide and seek. <laughs> like, playing hide and seek with Jesus in my dream. That's awesome. <laughs> and so that's I was amazing. Like, oh, like she told me that. I'm like, oh, so are, did you have like a, a prophetic experience? Are you a prophet? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I don't know. Just playing that's hide and seek. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, so it's funny. amazing. Like, I believe that. That's awesome. Like, you know, uh, you know, Jesus is capable of like reaching kids on the level of understanding that they have. And mm-hmm. you no, know, he's right now, he's showing April that I'm a friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any stories like awesome. that? Like just those little cool moments where your kids like, you know, um, seem to just seem to get it on a level that you didn't expect. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, of, um, just sometimes uh, I, I think the thing I like the most is like when they pray, when they have opportunity to pray, um, like they, 
they thank God for things and it really warms your heart. So like sometimes Titus will pray before the meal and he'll, you know, thank you for our food and thank you for our family. You know, thank you for mommy and daddy and Evelyn. And thank you for then, you know, the animals get included, Oscar and Winston and Lucy and um, those, those moments of just hearing them thank God. And uh, another thing I really love is to, uh, they like to sing. And so sometimes in the car, if we're listening to worship music, just hearing them unprompted, like sing along uh, to, um, to the music and stuff is really, uh, really special. Um, the other thing, so it's not explicitly yet connected to God necessarily it's just a way like Titus um is very accepting and uh, there's some kids in his class that he sort of set a precedent for like welcoming and accepting um and like the teacher just noticed the the love he has for people and the joy he brings and all of those things are really encouraging Sometimes, to be honest, like Titus will ask a question that I'm like, oh, man, this poor kid, he's got my brain. He'll ask some sort of like existential theological question. And the challenge is, uh, instead of him having this like simple childlike thought that comes out, it's this like, yeah, like existential theological question that he's not, he's asking He's swinging above his understanding. So he's asking a question that just the simple answer won't satisfy. But then the complex answer is hard to like distill down. Uh, he's like in this like gray area of like, this is too complicated for you to understand, but the simple answer is too simple for you to be satisfied. And so, yeah, he's given me one of the funny ones. Was, um, he asked uh, one time, um, why uh why did jesus eat fish doesn't he love all his creatures that he created i was like well yeah he, he does i'm not sure i'm not sure why he ate fish is part of what they ate then uh he's like well that's pretty brutal that's <laughs> that's a hard question i'm not I'm not looking forward to questions like that <laughs> well he could have well this is the good part too well he could have ate vegetables and fruit like Yep. Yep. I guess he could have. <laughs> like, I don't even remember what else I said. Um, but speaking of kids, it sounds like that was definitely April in the background. Right. My, wife took, my wife took the kids for a walk and they just got home. So, <clears throat> well, should we, uh, should we sort of wrap up and uh, talk about where we're at? Sure. Yeah. This was, this was fun. Yeah. I just, um, to, to put a bow on it my thoughts like it's been been really fun being a parent and I don't have like all the experience in the world but it's fun to see them just like grow before your eyes and all just like the little ways that God inserts himself into that process where it's like yeah my shortcomings as a parent um, they're very apparent <laughs> they're very obvious but it's it's yeah. also like where God makes up for my weaknesses. So, yeah. Um, I do have one more thing I want to add to. This is a huge thing that shapes my approach to, you know, I, I, we use this term calling. I grew up in the subculture of the church and calling, and I had this calling to ministry and now I'm a pastor. And sometimes the sense or the idea is like, you need to give everything to your calling. Um, 
and uh, men can, or women too, I think, career-driven people, I think, can um, sometimes pursue and prioritize their career at all costs. For pastors, I think we can do that, but it gets sanctified because you're pursuing God's calling on your life at all costs. Um, but there's just too many, I met too many people who are pastors, kids or whatever. And it seems like the family got sacrificed on the altar of ministry. And so for me, I see, um, I am just as called to be a, uh, loving husband and loving father as I am to be a pastor and perhaps more so I may not be at the same church. You know, I may not always be life points pastor, uh, but I will always be Emily's husband. I will always be Evelyn and Titus's dad. So in the big picture and in the, the playing the long game, my calling as a father and my calling as a husband uh, is primary. My calling as a pastor, a, you know, slash my job is secondary. And that's, that's a pretty major conviction I have, I guess, that shapes my approach to being a dad. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not a, uh, formally a pastor anymore, but I'm going to have the same kind of, um, challenge. I think when I bring my schoolwork in a few short months, it's like, yeah, I've been called to do this, you know, with my education, with my life, with my career, but that's all, uh, you know, secondary to my family. Yeah. So I'm just going to have to pray for a lot of grace and a lot of, um, um, work ethic, I guess. So like, and in, in in my mind, work ethic doesn't mean like putting all the hours into my job. Work ethic means putting enough hours into my job to where I can still devote a substantial amount of time to my family and keep them priority. Yeah. Yeah, we have a twisted idea of work ethic in our culture. That's a whole other episode that maybe we should talk about for Labor Day or something. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Not that we have to have a seasonal episode, but um, every time, but yeah, that's another another conversation. But we uh, actually had another, uh, I guess, announcement, not anything like, groundbreaking for the show but just another uh another kind of wrinkle that we're going to throw in just because um you know lining up guests and stuff like that uh, is not always um not always feasible sometimes it's not always easy so we just kind of wanted to make things a little bit more smooth and a little bit more um uh cadenced i guess for our schedule so anthony do you want to tell them about what we were thinking for that so We'll do it'll it'll be kind of a quarterly rotation. So uh, we will do a text review, a book review, and an interview. So uh, maybe perhaps not in that order, but in a quarter, you know, in a three months time, one month will be a text review, and what we mean by that is scripture. Uh, that will be uh, me and Matt uh, selecting um, some sort of portion of scripture and you know, verse by verse, possibly unpacking it, highlighting things we notice, sharing some Bible nerd stuff, maybe some cultural historical background, uh, some devotional insights. And so we'll just sort of 
develop a biblical theology around a scripture text. So we'll do a text review. Not just, not just to be like smart nerds and impress people, but just like actually as you know, for listeners, like hopefully to help you read the Bible um, in a, and like develop some strategies for reading scripture or understanding some of the historical context that you might not have known before that Anthony and I are interested in um, that not everyone has to be. So uh, having that education and background is, is helpful for us. And we hope it will be helpful for you. Like we don't want to just like show off our, you know, knowledge. That's not the point. The point is knowledge puffs up. Yeah. The point, the point is um, as listeners that you would, you know, maybe hopefully like glean something that will help you understand the Bible well as you read it for yourself. Yeah. The way I like to think about it is I think we're both passionate about bringing scripture to life. And one of the things that brings it to life for me is understanding that like um, these stories or these letters that Paul wrote, like they, they had flesh on, they had a story, they had a background, they had like lives, there were things going on. And sometimes seeing, uh, seeing that helps bring it to life to where you're not just reading like, I don't know, a legal document or something Mm -hmm. or a manual, um, reading, uh, something that has some dynamics. And so the hope is in, in part of, again, bringing it to life is so that it connects with people, people's real lives, not just like, like you said, look how smart we are, which would be more true of you, uh, Mr. PhD student. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then a book review. Matt and I will pick a, uh, Matt might pick one or something and we'll try to read it together and then we'll just come and share. Uh, and that is not primarily to be critical of it, but maybe to bring out some helpful insights or recommendations or what we thought was yeah. uh, compelling. Yeah. Um, in my, in my mind, it'll kind of be a jumping off point for just like a conversation mm-hmm. of conversation topics yeah. that we might've found interesting. A lot of those yeah. might be folks for school when I pick them so sorry about that I might, <laughs> Matt's gonna kill two birds with one stone I might yeah. double dip just to be honest which would be good for me though like exposing <laughs> me that that is one of the, the things when I was in seminary that was helpful is like I had to read and I had to read things that maybe I wouldn't have been introduced to if you know had I not been in school and all yeah. that so uh, I can read along with you I just don't pick one of them that's super super academic and technical you know oh no i won't do (laughs) Um, i don't even like reading those (laughs) oh man yeah sometimes it's there's a couple things i've read that i was like oh but then my personality i i must have some sort of like i don't know i have to finish it but i'm like oh this is laborious I, i read a lot of fiction books and i had that same mentality and there was one time where i'm like if i don't like this book and i'm not enjoying reading it then i'm just like why do i need to finish it i don't need to finish it i just had this like need to like finish what i started and i'm like if this is not giving me life then forget it but yeah (laughs) (laughs) so uh, a text review a book review and then an interview we'll do this will be kind of the classic uh what we've done in other episodes where we will have a guest and we will interview them and hear their story and hear about what they're doing and how their faith and theology shapes what they do so uh yeah, that's where we're planning to go. Text review, book review, interview. Yeah. So, yeah, 
again, nothing groundbreaking, just uh, we've been doing interviews every month and um, we kind of wanted to mix it up a little bit. So yeah, I'll switch it up. Well, I suppose that's all for our not half bad podcast. Yeah, exactly. Well, bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs> bye. Okay, see you. Uh, okay, see you. Um, that's from a TV show Matt and I have watched. Um, but uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you uh, care to, you can leave a review or like it on iTunes, share it with a friend. Um, anything, any little bit helps to expand our listener base. So thanks for listening. Until next time, this is uh, Theologizing Life with Anthony and Matt. Thank you.